Well, good evening. It's like a superhero t-shirt. That's awesome. I'm loving that. How many of you who are not planning on going uh, tomorrow, you're waiting to see if tonight's any good before you decide? How many of you guys are just going to be that honest? Like, I'm not committing to a whole Saturday. This guy might stink. I don't know. I don't blame you, so I'd, I'd wait too. So, Well, we are, uh, we are honored to be here, and uh, you know, you know, we get to meet a lot of different pastors and uh, just different activities, and you know, what I really appreciate about your pastors here is they really love God, and they really love people. You know, you can hear, uh, you know, this is, I mean, most pastors are really, you know, have good hearts and stuff, but, you know, there's some that they're just kind of tired of ministry, and they just kind of tired of the people, and you guys don't have that. If you could hear the way your pastors talk about you behind your backs, I mean, they, <laughs> it's good. You would love them more if you heard what they're saying, and so we're honored to, uh, this is going to be, a, this is going to be a good weekend. So tonight, we're going to, well, you'll see what we're going to do. It'll be good, and uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to kind of tear down some things that we probably believe about healing. We'll probably laugh a lot. We'll probably, uh, probably hear some things that might shock you, might even offend you. And I'm, uh, I'm just saying them because I love you. I'm not going to be mean today. I'm just going to, it's going to be good. And then tomorrow we're going to just show you how to equip your head, heart, and hands for healing ministry. We're just kind of going to break down the different parts. We're going to practice the different parts. And what I want you to walk away with tonight and tomorrow is, wow, I never knew healing could be this easy. How many of you guys, like, realize, like, God's done up there sweating, like, oh, my goodness, this, you know, it's like, oh, headache, no problem, like, you know, like, arthritis, oh, no, cancer, oh, my goodness, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all easy, it's all easy, demons are Christian recreation, I'm telling you, they are, I love dealing with demons, they are hilarious, I'm not, I'm not kidding, so, I, I love it, so. Don't get me a t-shirt that says, I love demons. Don't, I got to be careful what I say around this guy. It's going to end up plastered on something here. I do, I do love demons, though. They're awesome. They're, they're, fun, to, they're fun to play with. So, All right. Uh, before we get started, I want to ask you guys a question. And so I'm going to have you just kind of process it with your neighbors. And what do you feel is your biggest hindrance to seeing more people healed? So go ahead and just uh, turn to the person, just a sentence or two. What do you think is your biggest hindrance to seeing more people healed when you pray? I hear some laughter. This is, uh, this is therapeutic, maybe. Are <laughs> right, you guys doing all right? All right. You guys have got the answer, all right? I'm going to give you the real answer. You guys ready? Your biggest hindrance to seeing more people healed is that you believe there's a hindrance. There's nothing in the Bible that says, it'll work unless you come across something like this. Well, what if I don't have enough faith? What if I don't have a heal- enough healing anointing? What if I don't have the gift of healing? What if I don't have all this? Uh, we're going we're gonna to deal with all of that. But anything in your mind when you go to lay hands on somebody and it says, this disqualifies you, that's called a doubt. A doubt means to judge oneself as outside of this. Like, this is not for me because of this. I didn't pray enough. I didn't fast enough. Good. You're never going to. Jesus did. He prayed enough and fasted enough. He took your place, and so you're just getting in on his coattails. That's the good news. It's called New Covenant. Good news, right? All right. Just, let's keep going here. So, Our mindsets are the biggest hindrances to people getting healed and not demons. 
I'm just going to keep dropping these on you all night, so just, just get used to them, all right? I'll just drop another one on you. A five-second prayer of faith will do more than 10,000 hours of begging. Look at Jesus' prayers in the New Testament. Let's look at them. Stretch out your hand. Take up your mat. Little girl, wake up. Do you see like a bunch of begging in there? Do you see like trying to like wear out God with his requests? And a lot of people, they don't understand. There's a parable in the New Testament about the, uh, the persistent um, widow to the judge. Remember, she went and is like just wearing them out. Okay, that's not a comparison of what God's like. That's a contrast. It says, and it, even if this unjust judge will grant this woman her request, how much more your heavenly father God is not this unjust judge up there that we're trying to pry his hand open to get some healing to come out. Okay, so here we're going to say this confession. I'm going to say it and you repeat it after me. You guys ready? Healing is not my idea. Healing is God's idea. I don't have to convince him. He's trying to convince me. Let's close in prayer. If you guys got that, you got the whole thing. So let's say it one more time. Healing is not my idea. Healing is God's idea. I don't have to convince him. He's trying to convince me. Let me just tell you a little bit about my, my story. Uh, my wife and I, we actually both grew up in a Pentecostal denomination where we believed in the gifts of the Spirit. We heard about those things. We just didn't see it happen much. So I uh, grew up, ended up being on this, uh, church staff in this denomination. Uh, I was assemblies of God. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, every church is different. So, yeah, assemblies. And so, um, but in, in uh, the churches that we were a part of, week after week during worship, we would have the um, elders come forward and uh, the pastors. We would uh, be there in our suits, and uh, we would pray for the sick. And nobody ever got healed. Like maybe like you know one out of a hundred or something like that. I mean, even a broken clock's right twice a day. I mean, something's gonna happen. You know, you after a couple hundred prayers, you know. But nobody even seemed to be bothered by this thing. I remember we caused a scandal in the church when Mary came up with me. She was the first woman to cross the line and come pray for the sick. And, and then the next week, they were all shamed. So all their wives were up there the next week and everything. And, and so it just kind of bugged us. And so literally, so we're just, we're getting bugged by this. We're going after healing. And here's literally what's happening. Like, we're praying for people, and they're getting sicker. Like, we're catching their sicknesses. It was so discouraging. Like, you're going for healing, and like, it doesn't work. It was not working. So we're just pursuing, pursuing and so I just started teaching on healing, even though nothing is happening. You have to understand, like, our experience was not lining up with our theology. Are you getting it? But we knew that there was something. It was like, if it's in the Bible, it has to be in my life. And so I'm not going to lower the standard of God's promises to the level of my experience. And in that case, my inexperience. Okay? So we're just going for this thing. And so my pastor starts telling people Baker's a false teacher. I'm like, it's doctrine number like 12 out of 16 and the 16 fundamentals and as long as I got. It's like divine healing's in the atonement. How am I, whatever. And so, um, so we're taking a lot of persecution, blah, blah, blah. And so um, we actually just well, we felt like we were just kind of birthed out of the church world, went into real estate. We didn't go to the church for three years. It was awesome. I'm just going to be honest with you. It was awesome. And um, so we're just doing church in our living room and we're... Uh, we're like reenacting Bible stories and like we're wrapping the kids up in toilet paper and pretending like they're the leper or something like that. And, and they're like, they're getting healed. And we just go out to restaurants and pray for people and nobody's getting healed. But we're just going for it. Okay. We don't, we don't know what else to do. We're just hungry and desperate. We've got to see something work. So, <laughs> 
Yeah, sorry, I just had some flashbacks to some of those restaurant scenes. <laughs> Chasing people in wheelchairs out to the parking lot and stuff. Literally, it was just, it was, there was, there were some times there. So, so one time I'm at, uh, our office, the internet wasn't working, so I go to Panera Bread. And as I'm walking to Panera Bread, I hear this guy yelling. I'm like, what's that, what's that? And so there's this guy, and he's hunched over with a cane. And he says, could you tell me where 24 Mile Road is? He just got off the bus stop. I said, well, you know, you just got off on 23 Mile Road. Take this road up one mile, 24 mile. He says, thank you. Inch, 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 inch. I thought, man, this, this guy's got a long walk. And I said, well, what are you doing? I'm going to open up a bank account. I said, you know what? I'll just drive you up there. So I drive him up there. And so we, we get in there. And so he's going in the bank. I said, I'll just wait for you. And so I call up Mary. I'm like, Mary, I think there's something here. I feel, I feel like this is a God setup. Something's happening here. So she's like, all right, all right, I'll pray. So so, so, and I'm in the car, so he gets in the car, and the guy looks like he's about 80. He was actually 60. He'd had a very hard life. He was an alcoholic. So we're driving in the car, and so he starts talking about this affair he's having with this 20-year-old on the bus. I'm like, oh, man, I've got to turn this conversation. So this is what I burst out of my mouth. I said, my wife and I pray for people, and they get healed, <laughs> which was a lie, <laughs> or a faith declaration, just depending on your theology, just however you like to look at it. And so... <laughs> He says, uh, I said, so is there anything we can pray about? And he says, well, how about the obvious? I'm an alcoholic. And I didn't notice it, but in the next breath, it was like, man. And uh, I said, so this just came out of my mouth. I said, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray for your legs, and they're going to get healed. And you're going to have the faith to overcome alcohol when you see God working in your legs. And so here's his response. He holds up his cane. As long as I've got this cane, I'm okay. I'm like, oh, come on. Seriously. And so... I'm like, you know what? Instead of taking you back to the bus stop, I'll just drive you home. So I drive him home, get to, the, uh, get to this thing there. And so I say, hey, let me pray for your legs. And so he holds out his hand. So I'm like, all right, I guess we're going to do like the little hand hold thing. <laughs> Grab his hand. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, legs be healed. I said, how are your legs doing? He holds up his cane again. As long as I've got this cane, I'm okay. I'm like, oh, man, this is a long day. And so um, I said, get out of the car and walk. And so um, <laughs> he gets out of the car inch, inch, straightens up. He starts walking completely normal. It's about to get better. It's about to get better. He comes back. He's crying. He says, I don't think I'm going to need this cane anymore. I said, I don't think you are either. He starts sprinting up and down the sidewalk, and he's waving the cane above his head, yelling, I can walk! I can walk! So he's crying. I'm crying, and I'm like, it's on. It is so on, it's not even funny. So we started praying for everything that moved. Our family thought we were nuts. They're like avoiding us. They're like hiding their colds. They didn't want to get prayer because we were so ridiculous. <laughs> now, since then, we've learned some things. We've learned some tact. Um, and uh, we learned how to use breath mints and some of those special techniques and stuff like that. But, um, you know, since then, we've just seen some absolutely wonderful things. So that was, that was fall of 2007. And uh, we literally, we had no training. We did not know what we were doing. And, uh, but, you know, we just, we kind of quit pursuing healing for a while, fell in love with Jesus. And then when we started praying for people, like this guy, Lonnie, healing just started working. So I'm like, hold on. Stop striving. Love Jesus. All right. I'm starting to connect the dots and just see, okay, there's something here. Since then, let me just tell you some of the things we've seen. Um, uh, boy, we've had, in the last three months, two people raised from the dead. That, that's, that's healthy. That's good. Amen. That is life-changing for them, I'm telling you. <laughs> One guy was dead 16 hours. 
died at 7 a.m., woke up at 11 p.m. in a body bag, unzipped himself from the morgue and got up. Went to work two days later after no oxygen for 16 hours. So, yes, yay God. Um, another, uh, another four people. We've had, I think we've had five people raised from the dead. One, I'm not sure how dead they were, but they were pretty dead. So we'll just, we'll just count it as five. The Ryan Groff one. I, I mean, I mean that, was, that one's awesome. Uh, maybe I'll share that one tomorrow. That's actually one of my favorites. Maybe I'll share that one tomorrow. It's the best story you'll ever hear tomorrow. So for those of you who are wondering if you should come, we've had uh, people blind eyes from birth. We've had deaf ears here. We've had people with pacemakers in their body. We've had them dissolve right out of their bodies. We've had people with metals from surgery. We've had metal dissolve right out of their bodies. Um, We've had, uh, we had a guy, he came in, he had cancer in his, uh, his thigh bone, and so they cut out the bone, and he had, a, he had to do a walker, and so he got completely healed, and the bone grew back. So he came in, with the, uh, came in and gave the testimony and gave us the walker, and so our youth pastor is pretty handy, so he's making me a pulpit out of the walker. So when I preach on healing, I'm going to be like, right in your face, devil, like right on your instrument right there, so fun. Uh, lots of scoliosis, you know, we've had like double S curve and they pray and <laughs> you watch like their body like ratchet and that's fun. Um, lots of cancer, man. We just, we just love seeing cancer about what's needed in the name of Jesus. So we'll be going after, uh, we'll be going after all that stuff tonight. And just, you know, I'm not going to do any words of knowledge tonight. We, we use words of knowledge at our church and everything, but I want you to get across. Jesus wants to heal everything in here that you have. You don't need a word of knowledge to pull out of the air to see if God wants to do something. When he says, it is finished, okay, like, like, that's like a big hint right there. It's like, what part of it is finished don't you get? Like, like done. But we'll get to some of that. So we'll, I know you got questions. We'll, we'll, we'll get to all that stuff. Uh, lots of people getting out of wheelchairs. That's just awesome. I love that. Um, Nah, I'm going to share that one wrong. So the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, this is, here's some good ones. All right. So um, one of our guys, he, uh, so he'd been at our church like a month, and he went with us to a healing night. And so <laughs> he, got, he had flat feet. And so we had a guy at our church that's just like growing arches into people's feet like crazy. So we named him the Archbishop, of course. And so <laughs> we did. And so, the, uh, and so Ricky gets arches in his feet, and so we're just like, hey, this is easy. Everybody can do this. Like, Jesus lives inside of you. He's really good at it. You don't have to be. Just command it to be healed. And we're like, wow, it's that easy. And so, um, so Ricky, he's dying to, like, to pray for somebody sick now. So he goes home, and there's nobody sick in his house, but their, the, uh, their stove hadn't worked in three months. So he lays hand on the stove. <laughs> stove comes back to life. He's like, these things are loaded. I didn't even know it, you know. <laughs> So him and I, I don't, one of his buddies or his wife, they go out to a Target, I think it was, and they find a girl who's in a wheelchair, and she's extremely small for her age, and she has um, cerebral palsy. And so her body's extremely twisted. She can't control her limbs. And so uh, Ricky says, yeah, ask the mom, can we pray for your daughter? And she says, yeah. And so all, Ricky had seen, a lot of times we see if people have um, back, anything from like the back down, Sometimes if they have a shorter leg and we pray and the leg grows, uh, like everything from the back down gets healed. Hips, knees, all that stuff. So Ricky didn't know what else to do. And so he asked this lady, can we pray for your daughter? And so he grabs her legs, he prays for it, and one leg grows out. And then the other leg grows out. And the other leg grows out. She gets seven to eight inches taller instantly, gets out of the wheelchair, no more cerebral palsy, completely healed, leaves the wheelchair at the store, walks out. 
That's awesome. That's just that's just a good idea. Um, yeah, yeah. So we had a uh, a young man was hit by a truck. As a result of being hit by the truck, he was now mentally retarded, hadn't walked or talked since the accident. So he got hit by like around ten. He's now in his like mid twenties. So that's about the age range. So hadn't walked or talked in over a decade. And so some of our guys, you know, uh, you know how when you're with somebody, you'll do something stupider, I mean braver, than, um, than if you're by yourself, which is why Jesus probably sent them out two by two. And so, so these two guys are out there, and they see this guy at the mall, and they're feeling compassion stir up. And so they're like, man, I think we're supposed to pray for him. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? And so they find themselves over there, and now they're, they're in front of this. And so they, they just say, hey, would you, we just feel like we're supposed to pray for your son. Can we pray for him? So they pray for him. It's just in the middle of the food court at the mall. They pray for him, and uh, things are coming alive a little bit at a time. But after 15 minutes, the young man is out of the wheelchair walking and talking. The parents fall on their knees and are praising God right in the middle of the mall. That's just a good idea. We had um, we had, we are we support a ministry, and then now some of our people are buying houses in the worst neighborhoods in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I'm from. And uh, so one of the guys there, Nick, he's, he's just awesome. So he runs this Bible study for these inner city boys. And so he trains them up in healing. So, he's just, so these kids go down the street to a girl who's mentally retarded, pray for, her, pray for her. She comes completely back into her right mind and now goes to a normal school. So we've seen, we've seen schizoaffective disorder, schizophrenia, bipolar, um, all of it come off at once. I mean, just we've seen a lot of stuff. We had... Um, Made an eyeball grow back. I mean, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's, that'd be a good chapter or title. Eyeball grows back. Like, I'm going to read that one. So, um, so uh, Glass Eye gets prayer, eyes violently shaking, and uh, we're like, hmm, I think something good's happening here, you know. And, and so, uh, pray, eyeball pops out into hand, fake eye pops out into hand, new eyeball underneath. We'll try it over on this side here a little bit, yeah, so. Tumors and cancer are no harder than back pain and headaches because it's not up to me. See, healing only gets difficult if you think you have a whole bunch to do with it. If you start, which part, what did I say? Um, Healing only gets difficult if you begin to think you have a big part to play in it. We have a part to play. I mean, God's not up there just zapping people, you know, and uh, he's looking for someone to take him seriously. You know, when he says, I have all authority on heaven and on earth, and he says, now I give it to you, authority over every sickness, every disease, every evil spirit. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopard, cast out demons. Freely you've been given it, go give it away. Okay, and so I think that's a, actually a theme verse for you guys. And so God is looking for people to say, guys, try it out. Take it serious. And you, know, you may not get it perfect every single time. I mean, I'm not at 100% yet. I'm not willing to say Jesus set the standard. I'm not sure if you guys realize every person who came to Jesus was healed without exception. We'll get to that in a little bit. He set the standard. Yeah, but he was God. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Jesus had no power to heal the sick. He had no power to cast out demons apart from his father. He said, I only do the things I see the father doing. 
Well, isn't Jesus God? Absolutely. He never ceased to be God. We see in Philippians 2 that he laid divinity aside and he came to the form of a man. And he, he showed us the exact example of a person rightly related to God, completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus did these miracles as God, I would applaud it. I'm like, man, that is, wow, awesome. But it wouldn't challenge my life to follow him because obviously I can't do that. But because he came in the form of a man, he's saying, follow me. I'm showing you how to do this. I only do what I see the Father doing, which is the model that we're going to teach you tomorrow at the, at the little healing school. Our biggest battle is when healing is mindsets, not demons. So today's goal is, um, is to begin to equip your head, your heart, and your hands for healing ministry. How many of you ever heard of Bruce Lee? That's just awesome. Uh, so for those of you who haven't, Bruce Lee was a martial artist from the, uh, from the 1970s and just really kind of revolutionized kung fu movies and, you know, that's... I love all that stuff. And so Bruce Lee, like if he's walking down a dark alley, Bruce Lee is not hoping uh, that he's going to, you know, oh, no, I hope a mugger doesn't try to get me, okay? Bruce Lee is hoping that a mugger tries to get him because <laughs> he's Bruce Lee. He has trained his whole life for these situations. He's got a variety of options. I mean, he could, you know, do the one-inch punch. You know, he could... You know, pull out the nunchucks. He could do, he could do so many. He could use his hips. He could do anything. He's Bruce Lee. Okay? By the time we're done with this weekend, I want you to feel like the Bruce Lee of healing. When you see a sick person, I want you to go, God, you love me so much that you would bring this person across my pathway. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to get to the point where you're going to start carrying on a flashlight like Peter with the shadow healings. Just walking by people. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're qualified to heal the sick because of what Jesus has done, period. Not because you have all the answers. Not because you got enough scriptures memorized. Not because you went on a 40-day fast. Not because you tithed 11%. Not because <laughs> fill in the blank of whatever you think it is that pleases God, okay? Anything that you think you're doing to please God is called dead works. Jesus pleased God. We get in on that. Now, anything that we do is just wisdom. See, if there's a treasure buried in a field, it's not works for me to go dig it up. It's wisdom. Okay? But there had to be treasure there first. Jesus paid for everything. So us renewing our minds, fasting and praying, all we're doing is digging into what he's already done. The hard work that we do now is to renew our minds. We're not prying God's hand open. God is not up there deciding on a case-by-case -case basis who he's going to heal. Hmm. I don't know, uh, that baker guy. You know, if you'd fast day four, people think that fasting is God's favorite song. Like he's up there like, I'm not giving baker nothing. He's getting, whoa, whoa, whoa. Was that a rumble in the, was that a rumble in the stomach? Hmm. Baker is getting hungry. If my kids thought they had to go on a hunger strike to get my attention, I'd be a bad dad. Fasting changes me. It doesn't change God. Fasting helps narrow my focus to see what he's already paid for. It's not up there prying God's hand open. Whoa, two more days. I didn't plan on answering Baker's request, but if he fasts two more days, my hands are tied. We, we, we have got to answer that thing. So today and uh, this whole weekend is about equipping you. And so 
Today I'm talking to an audience. I'm, not, no, I'm talking to an army and not an audience. An audience is like a bunch of sermon wine tasters. It's going to taste the vintage, and let's see if this guy's got anything to say here. Let's, but that's not who you guys are. You guys are an army. You're here because I want to experience the healing power of God, and you want to be able to release that. And so we're, we're here to make it simple, okay? So um, if you turn to your, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, are you guys still good? Have one or two more of you decided to come on Saturday yet? No, you're still holding out. All right, I don't, I don't blame you. I'd wait still too, so. I'm gonna, I, I just kind of had a revelation a little while ago that there's, there's two places where you can get your healing theology. I know this isn't going to sound deep. You're like, hold on, we brought this guy from how far to come tell us this, but just work with me on this. The devil or Jesus? I know. Like, you're like, Jim, how long did you fast and pray to get that revelation? I know. It's awesome. It's, I'm, I'm impressed by it, too. Most of the teaching that I grew up in in the church, and even the stuff that I used to teach, it looks more like the devil's theology of the temptation in the garden and in the desert than it does what Jesus taught. Okay, so what I'm about to do is I'm going uh, to go through some real common teachings, and we're actually going to see that it's actually the way that the devil approached things rather than the way Jesus approached things. You see what we're going to do here? So we're going to pull out some weeds. And so that you can have this simple seed, because remember, if we can remove those doubts, Jesus said, if you can believe and not doubt, you can just say to this mountain, go jump in the sea. It'll be done. And he said it takes mustard seed size faith. So if we can take care of those doubts, if we can remove some of those things, and all you're left with is that simple seed of the word of God, you can move mountains. But if there's that thing in your head, I don't know about this. What about Job? What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? What, we're going to get to those things. Okay? So, um... Uh, Genesis, let me just read you some verses here. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said, hey, look, a talking snake. No, she didn't say it. <laughs> and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the gardens, but God said you shall not eat of any fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, God never said that, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay? So let me just draw out a couple of things here. So the first thing the enemy is going to try to get you to do is to doubt what God said. Look at Genesis 3, 4. The serpent said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Listen, God could not have been any more clear in his instruction. Eat of any tree except one. Not hard. You have to have someone help you misunderstand that, right? Okay? The things God says about healing in Scripture are so clear, you have to have the devil help you misunderstand it. Here's some examples. Lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Father, open up these mysteries to my mind. I, I cannot fathom the depths. Seriously? Lay your hands on the sick, and they'll recover. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Holy Spirit... Open my eye. I mean, it's like, seriously? Like, that's not that hard to understand. 
It, it couldn't be any more clear. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. But what does the enemy come and do? Did God really say that? So he'll start throwing questions on it like this. Well, what about Job? Has anyone ever heard of that one? What about Job? There's just in America here. All right. What about Job? Well, number one, I'm not a disciple of Job. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Let me give you the theology of Job. You guys ready for 42 chapters and two phrases? You ready for this? Satan made him sick. God made him well. If you're not healed, you're not having a Job experience. The Old Testament is filled with questions that were answered in the person of Jesus. It is absolutely illegal to take an Old Testament revelation and have it supersede the perfectly clear revelation of Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What about Job? I don't know. But if your questions aren't leading you to Jesus, you need to ask a different question. It's illegal to take an Old Testament incomplete revelation of God and say, oh, that's going to supersede the clear revelation where Jesus healed every person who came to him. And he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. What's God's will in healing? Look at Jesus. He tries to get us to doubt what God said. Well, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? What about Ed Mildred? We had 10,000 people on a prayer chain praying for a toe fungus, and it didn't go away. Again, we cannot lower the standard of God's promise to the level of our experience. We have to draw a line in this hand and say, listen, if it's in the word, it has to be in my life. It's okay to have questions. Don't build a theology out of your questions. Build a theology out of the person of Jesus. Get this phrase in your heart. Jesus was the most normal Christian who ever to the earth. Are they bleeping me out there? Were they afraid what I was going to say on that one? And Jesus said... It's like the Chinese movies over here. Want to fight? I'll fight. Sorry, I got up at 4 a.m. our time, and so I'm, I'm, it's, yeah, it's just happening up here. All right. So the enemy tries to get us to doubt what God said and uh, also to doubt who God is. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The enemy tries to get us to doubt the goodness of God. God's holding something back on you. you know, if you were to eat this, you would become like God. Well, that was a deception. They already were like God, created in his image and his likeness. But you can see what the enemy is trying to do. Try to get him to act like you can't really trust God. He's, he's not as good as he's portraying himself to be. So here's how the enemy does it with healing. God puts sickness on you to teach you a lesson. Anyone ever heard that? Oh, here's, here's one. Um, God puts sickness on you to make you more like Jesus. That one's always baffled me because Jesus wasn't sick. How is me being sick going to help me be more like Jesus who isn't sick? Remember that story in the Gospels where um, the woman came and she said, uh, she fell at Jesus' feet and she's weeping and she said, Jesus, heal my daughter. She has epilepsy. And Jesus said, this girl is sick for the glory of God and it is not my time... No, you don't remember that story because it's not in the Bible. <laughs> the way you hear so many people teach, you would think the Bible was filled with those stories of Jesus going, mm, sorry, not my time. Oh, sorry, you don't have enough faith. Oh, sorry, there's some secret sin in your life. Those stories aren't in the Bible. 
every person who came to Jesus was healed. Boom. Done. Period. Wasn't that hard. But Jim, why is it hard today? We're going to get to some of this stuff. I'm not, I'm not here to beat on anybody. Again, I'm not seeing 100% yet. I mean, I'm just trying to unlock. Our standard is Jesus. People came to him 18 times in the New Testament. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Here's what it was all 18 times. They came to Jesus expecting him to help. That's mustard seed, mountain-moving faith in the New Testament. Some had great faith that he marveled at. Some had very little faith. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's terrible. That is not great faith. Some had dormant faith where um, the, uh, where the lady, uh, remember she was like, Jesus, um, heal my daughter. And he's like, should I take the bread and throw it to the, um, the, should I take the meat and give it to the dogs? She's like, well, even the dogs eat the scraps off the master's table. What was he doing? Jesus saw something inside of her. He knew if she could get across that point of offense that she could get her breakthrough. Little faith, great faith, mediocre faith, it all got the same result. Great faith didn't get any bigger miracle than little faith. Because the greatness of faith is what you're putting your trust in. The object is Jesus. Jim, God is mysterious. Yes, he's mysteriously good. God is sovereign. Okay. I'm going to ask you to turn your offense meters on low for a little bit here, okay? I'm going to do a dramatic pause just to make a point, so don't get too upset here. Ready? God is not sovereign. (laughs) He's not sovereign if you're defining sovereignty as everything that happens is God's will. If you go according to the dictionary definition of sovereign, then he's absolutely sovereign. There's nobody bigger, and his ultimate purposes will be accomplished through human free will. Absolutely. But the way religion defines sovereignty, the Bible doesn't. Not everything that happens on planet Earth happens according to God's will. Second Peter 3, 9. God is not willing that any should perish. That's his will. Are people perishing? Yes, because there's free will. So there's things that are happening that are, well, if it was God's will, he must have, you know, if it's, if it's God's will for me to be healed, he'd just heal me. No, he wouldn't. He gave us the keys of the kingdom, and it's up to us to unlock those things. Like I said, he's not up there just making his will happen and overriding people's free wills. No one really believes it's God's will for them to be sick. Okay, let me prove this to you. They try to get better. Why on earth, if you believe God had given you that cancer, are you going to get treatment? You should say, double portion, more Lord, leprosy too. That's what religion, stupidity, has gotten to teach, is teaching us. God is putting this sickness on you. Yes, Lord, thank you for this. Then why are you fighting it, going to the doctors? Because we know at a heart level, this is not from God. This is not good. I'm just going to say it. The sovereignty of God teaching is the stupidest, most dangerous teaching right now out there. Oh, okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. We'll pray, and if nothing happens, we'll blame it on God's sovereignty. (laughs) How can you ever press in in any kind of faith if you just think, whatever, whatever. God's not healing them. I prayed once, nothing happened. I'm not going to press in. It will make you lazy. And ultimately, how could I ever serve a God that puts sickness? If I put sickness on my children, I'd be arrested for child abuse. And yet people say, God's doing this. 
who is love. doesn't say he has love. He is love. If we were at my church, they'd be standing up saying, say that. Say that. That's grown-up talk. Our church is about 25% black. It's awesome. They keep trying to give me an impartation into my feet to dance, but it's not taking. I don't know what it is. I got too much doubt. God is sovereign. Here's what he did. He sovereignly chose to destroy all the works of the devil in his death and resurrection. He sovereignly chose to give his followers authority over every sickness and every disease. He sovereignly chose to bear our sickness and carry his pain and by his stripes pay for your healing. Like I said, he's not up there deciding on a case-by-case basis, not my will for this person, not my timing. They need to do a little more. He already said, yes. I have decided to pay for every sickness, every sin, every disease that ever will happen. That's called grace. Grace is God saying, I'm doing this because of who I am, not because of who you are. Faith simply looks at that and goes, wow, okay, I'll take that. There's always a mixture of grace and faith. You're saved by grace through faith. That's how you receive everything. Grace means God said, this is my idea. I'm healing of you, but not because of you, but because of who I am. And faith looks at that. Faith is a response to his initiative. Thank you, Jesus. That's that that thank you of faith, that helpless dependence that says, I didn't do anything to deserve this, but thank you. And every time people were healed. Are you guys good? Say that. See, it used to be when we prayed for people and they weren't healed, we'd say, it must not have been God's will. Okay? Now we look at the person of Jesus Guys, guys, this changed my life. We were seeing about 10% of the people healed once we started getting some stuff going, but it really wasn't all that consistent. It probably jumped to about 40% from this one truth. Jesus perfectly revealed the will of the Father. I never doubted again whether or not God wanted to heal somebody because I knew if Jesus were standing here, and he is inside of me in some mysterious way that I don't get. So when I lay my hands on this person, I know every time, God, I know what your heart is for this person. I know if they were in the crowds that you were ministering to 2,000 years ago and they came to you, you would heal them. You showed me the Father's will. When the disciples, remember when they couldn't heal the epileptic boy? And they're like, Jesus, what happened? He's like, he's like what did he say? Oh, it's okay, guys. It's okay. No, he said, oh, wicked and perverse generation. How long am I going to be with you? He says, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. Jesus neither prayed nor fasted. He had a lifestyle of it commanded it to leave, he gets healed. The disciples did not say, up, must not have been your will. They were completely perplexed because they had seen Jesus heal every single time, and every time they tried it, it happened until this one incident. We'll talk about it tomorrow, what what happens when people aren't healed. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Are you you getting the picture? The disciples, the reason their experience was so supernatural, because they believed that Jesus was revealing the will of the Father. Christians today are not believing the same thing. They're not believing that Jesus perfectly revealed the will of the Father. There's two job descriptions in the Bible. This is how we taught our kids. You guys ready? Uh, it comes from um, John 10.10. 10. A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus, life more abundantly. Okay, here's how we teach the kids. God good, devil bad. Disease, bad. Healing, good. See, 
the church has lived so long without power. I'm not talking about this church. I'm just talking about churches in general. We, 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 just, we just haven't seen this stuff, and God's redeeming it, and that's what's great. But see, we've, some churches have lived without so long that any signs and wonders that are happening are from the devil, and God's the one who's putting sickness on you. God and Jesus have, have reversed job descriptions somehow. So it's the devil that's making people well and God that's making people sick. God, help us. It is grown-up talk. Thank you, sir. I'm, yes, I'm saying it. All right, this is one of the few original things I will say tonight. Everything else I've stolen. Okay, so... All right, you guys ready for this? This I'm about to drop something on you that is so weighty. It is, your mind might get blown. So I just, I just, I wish you had seatbelts on these seats. You guys ready for this? Blaming someone. No, I better read it. All right, here we go. Blaming God for someone's sickness is like blaming a giraffe for your food being burnt. The two things have nothing to do with each other. His name is healer, not afflictor. Steal, kill, and destroy is someone else's job description. Guys, if you're, you can't see anyone healed if you're not even sure God wants it to happen. If you don't even know if God's agreeing with you. So level one, we have to realize, God, you want to heal every single person. If I've seen Jesus, I've seen the Father. He's the most normal Christian. He showed me the will of God, and every time he healed every person who came to him without exception. Third thing the enemy tries to get us to do is to get religious. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Okay? Eve added that on. She added on another condition that God never said. Here's what religion does. Religion tries to get through man's effort what we already have through divine gift. Just, you know, most of this stuff is, uh, is in the notes that yeah, I guess they're going to pass out tomorrow. So another reason to come tomorrow. Amen. I'm not working on commission. I'm just trying to bless you. Don't tease me. That's a whole nother story there. Sometimes my church will yell, don't tease me. <laughs> They're the greatest. <laughs> Here's what Jesus said in Mark 7, 13. He told this to the Pharisees. You have made the word of God of no effect through your tradition. I want you to let that hit you. You have made the word of God, the word of God that will not return void, that seed from another world that will accomplish what it sets out to do. He says, if it's not mixed with faith, if you add this human tradition to it, you've made it of no effect. Religious teachings can take the truth of the word of God and nullify it. Okay? So now let's apply it to, uh, let's apply it to healing. You guys ready for this? I, uh, this might feel more like a taste because this is about to get a little spicy. Okay, which I have a hilarious taser story from some ushers, but that's for another time. Yeah, God was coming down to get saved. They thought he was rushing the pastor, tased him. Yeah, not at my church. It was a church in Florida, but still awesome. Okay. Here are some religious things that the enemy will try to do. Guys, you've heard these all before, and if you believe these things, you can be trying to believe all you want, but that doubt's creeping up, okay? So we've already hit the first one. It's not, it's not God's timing, okay? How do we know that this is a lie? Because we never see Jesus ever laying his hands on someone and saying, you know what? 
you're right in the middle of an important lesson. <laughs> it's not my father's timing yet. That's a, that's a trick of the enemy to get you to believe it's not my father's time. I, I hear people all the time, I'm really believing God's going to heal me by the end of the year. Well, great. That takes no faith. How about right now? Like you think God's up there getting nervous? Like, oh, man, I hope they don't put me on the spot. He already decided. He already said yes. Yes, yes. When you ask for forgiveness of sins, you think God's like, mm, not my will. Sickness and sin was paid for in the same package. Bore our sickness, carried our pain. By his stripes, we are healed. Well, Jim, I believe that applies to spiritual healing. I do too. 1 Peter 2.24, when they quote that passage from the Old Testament, applies to spiritual healing. Matthew 8.16 and 17, when it quotes the same passage, applies it to physical healing. Sickness and sin were dealt with. It is no more God's will for you to sin than it is for you to be sick. It is no more God's will for you to be sick than it is for you to go out and sin. Another uh, religious teaching, you need to throw out your medication to prove you have faith. Jesus never did that. You do not need to do that. Do not withhold medicine from your children. If you want to withhold medicine from yourself, go for it. Don't do that to your kids. This is not a snake handling cult. BYOS church, bring your own snake. This is not one of those churches. All right, I'm going to ask you to turn the offense meter on super low. Jesus did not break generational curses to see people healed. There is not one single example anywhere in the Bible of someone breaking a curse or doing anything about curses. The Bible does not even hint at the need for breaking curses. Jesus does not teach the need for breaking curses. He does not command them to do this. From Genesis to Revelation, there is not one example of anyone breaking a curse anywhere. I would just open up the floor now. If anyone wants to stand up and debate me on this point, let's just go for it right now. Because this is one of the stupidest doctrines in all of Christianity. So, God's not holding my sin against me, according to the New Covenant. And yet, because my grandfather was a Mason, he's holding his sin against me. The spirit of ignorance and the spirit of stupidity, getting married and having a child. Are we okay? All right. Jesus never made them find the cause of sickness. Jesus never looked at a person's past to pray for healing. Well, let me figure out why you're having this problem. There are times we see when, remember, when the uh, paralytic was being lowered through the roof, and Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. And I'm thinking, man, you blew that one. <laughs> he needs healing of his legs. He doesn't need his sins forgiven, Jesus. Whoops. Jesus knew that this guy was carrying shame and that the key to this guy's breakthrough was him to realize God's goodness and see those things. So there are times when we see that. So if the Holy Spirit highlights that, that's something we'll talk about tomorrow. But we don't need to go looking for it. There's prayer models out there where you've got to figure out, is this psychosomatic? Is it demonic? Is it, it doesn't matter. The answer is the same. Be healed in Jesus' name. He never said, when did you open the door for the devil to get in? I need to know so I can know how to pray. He never made them renounce the occult. He never made them forgive someone. He never made them confess a sin. He never made them tithe. I'm not saying these aren't good things. I'm saying he never made them jump through hoops in order to receive healing. They simply came to him expecting him to help, and they were healed every single time. 
He never made sure they attended church faithfully. He never made sure they were submitted to authority. He never made them fast. Never said you need to go soak for 45 minutes in healing prayer in order to get healed. Jesus never once even prayed for the sick. He healed them. The disciples, not one time in the book of Acts did they pray for somebody. Oh, Lord, if it be thy will, that will never get answered ever. If you're wondering what God's will is, you have no faith. You're already in doubt. Last thing the enemy will try to get you to do is doubt who you are. If you remember um, the enemy with Jesus in the desert, if you're the son of God. Remember, Jesus had just got baptized. The heavens opened up. The dove came down. Remember that whole thing? And then he says, this is my beloved son. What's the first thing the enemy tries to do if you're the son of God? Tries to get him to doubt who he is. This is one of the tricks the enemy uses is on us is to try to get you to doubt who you are. He says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I want you to look at your hands for a second. I want you to get this thought. When Jesus said that, he was talking about your hands. I want you to realize that those puppies are loaded. You need to be careful where you point those things. I'm getting a little worried about this group here, David. I'm getting a little worried that the healing anointing may increase so much in here. Some of you are going to have to wear disguises to the mall because people are going to want what you have. I'm getting a little worried. There might be such an anointing on your hands that food multiplies and it just becomes a big mess when you try to eat. There's some hunger in this group. I'm getting a little nervous from some of these people here. Jesus said, if anyone believes in me, they'll do, great, they'll do the works I've been doing. They'll do even greater works. He didn't say super apostles. He didn't say if you have a 501c3. He didn't say if you have a ministry named after you. He didn't say if you're an eighth generation pastor. He said, anyone who believes in me. This is normal, level one Christianity that we will not be denied of. One of my favorite teachers in healing is James Maloney. I mean, he's, he's seen everything except like heads grow back. It's just insane. It's, it's insane what he's seeing. He says this. He's at our church. He says, do you want to know the secret of healing ministry? I'm like, yes. That's why I brought you. Tell me. Tell me. He says, it's knowing that you're a son and daughter of the king with full access to everything in the kingdom. Guys, the fridge is full. You can get off the couch and get anything you want. Jim, it can't be that easy. Show me anywhere in the Bible that says anything other than belief. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Jesus was the most normal Christian who ever lived. Healed every person who came to him. Let me give you these last two word pictures, and we're going to start praying for some people here. Faith is like an eyeball. This is just beautiful. Faith is like an eyeball. Right now, my eyes are looking outward, taking in information. They're, they're looking out and bringing it back to me. If I were somehow able to take out my eyeball, turn it inside out, and look inside, it would no longer be functioning as an eyeball because eyeballs look out, okay? Faith looks at Jesus. If faith begins to look at itself and say, do I have enough faith? It is no longer faith. Faith fixes its eyes on Jesus. When it's not looking at Jesus, it's no longer faith. When you're praying for someone or you're going to receive prayer, your first job is to get your eyes off your problem, get your eyes off your faith, get your eyes off of their faith, get your eyes off of the size of the tumor, get your eyes, and just look at Jesus. Because when you see him, 
you start feeling his faith. He's really good at his job. Like, he's 100%. And uh, there has never been... He paid for everyone. You are not the special exception. You're not that special. (laughs) I don't know. I've had everyone lay hands on me. I don't care about all of your past disappointments. I'm asking you today to just approach God afresh and just, wow, Jesus, I keep your eyes on him. When you see him, it's like, wow, this is good. He's really good at his job, which means I don't have to be all that good at my job when I'm praying for someone. I just look at him, pray the prayer of agreement, boom. I'm going to close with this story, and then we're going to bring someone up. So I was pre-med in college, and one of the things we had to do was to get a... uh, <laughs> this is a great story, by the way. All right. We had to get a letter of recommendation from a doctor. And so my lab partner's name was Jim Lorenz. And so his dad was a doctor at the Cronk Gym. If you guys are the boxing fans, uh, Tommy Hitman Hearns, all that good stuff. So he was a, he was a doctor at that gym. And so uh, my lab partner says, hey, my dad will write you a recommendation letter, but you have to go golfing with us. Now, anyone who's ever seen me golf has never accused me of being a golfer. I just was, it's, it's never been good. I just, we just don't get along. And so um, it's, the, it's the ritziest country club in Detroit that I have to show up in. So I've, I, this is just not my thing. So I, I go in there, and Dr. Lorenz says, well, where's your golf shoes? And I just had on tennis shoes. I think I had high tops, even worse. And, and I go, I don't have any. He's like, oh. He's like, all right, go through the lockers and see if you can find some shoes that fit you. I'm like, my word. So I come out in the golf shoes, and I had never ridden in a golf cart before. We'd always, you know, we'd try to save money and just put the, put the bags on our backs. And so um, I put the bag in there, but I, didn't, I, didn't re- I just kind of looped it through. I didn't lock it in the bag. And so we go to take off. Whoo, my bag goes flying out the back. Dr. Lorenz is looking at me like, what is this, you know? So then the, uh, the opening tee, they have this gallery. So picture like a half moon, like 180 degrees, like a half circle of people sitting around um, eating uh, expensive foods with their pinky. It's just kind of picture that, and um, and so then you got the tea, right? You know, so all these people are watching you tee off, and so you know, Dr. Lorenz just nails it. Um, my lab partner Jim Lorenz nails it. The third guy to go, the third guy in the party is legally blind. He can literally only see to his toes. Okay, and this guy is having the game of his life this day. Like literally, they're like turning him. He doesn't even know where to go. They're turning him. Whack! He's waiting. Like he didn't know this hill was so steep. He walked up and like rolled back down it. Literally. And I'm like, I'm like, and I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting beat by this guy mercilessly. So first hole, this honestly happens, swing and miss. Like, oh, next one I hit, it doesn't go past the ladies' tees. So you've got like the men's tees, like the like the amateur or whatever, and then like I don't even make it past the tees, let alone the course. So Dr. Lorenz says, Jim, just pick up and hit where my ball is, and so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty low. So we get to, um, I think it was hole 13. It was a hole that Arnold Palmer had got like a 14 on, which is like terrible, okay? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chip it up onto the green. And so I didn't quite follow through hard enough. And so I had my little wedge, and I went chip, chip. And when I made contact with it a second time, it actually flung the ball backwards about 25 yards, which distance-wise was actually one of my best shots of the day, which was unfortunate. <laughs> Want to hear something amazing? Dr. Lorenz wrote me a recommendation, and I got a glowing recommendation. Do you want to know why? Because his father's approval of me had nothing to do with my performance. It had everything to do with my relationship to his son. Yeah. 
When you're standing there laying hands on somebody, it's not because of your great holiness, although that helps. That's going to help you see God more clearly, okay? Without holiness, no one will see God, right? I'm not discounting that. I'm just letting you guys know. We stand in a position as sons and daughters with full access to everything that Jesus paid for. And if that person is going to get healed, it's going to be because of what Jesus has done, not because of your ability to memorize scripture, whatever you think it is. You know, we give our kids uh, money for the report cards. And so they get a certain amount of money for A's, a certain amount for B's. They have to pay us for C's and D's. I'm sorry. They're bakers. They got good genetics. They, they shouldn't have that. Anyway, so um, they get rewarded based on their performance. Here's what it's like in the Christian life. You are not getting rewarded with healing anointing, with answers to prayer based on your performance. You're getting rewarded based on Jesus' performance. It's as if he came in, took all the advanced placement classes, got all A pluses on them, and now that report card, you're being rewarded on that, not on your own. That's grace. Just hold out your hands and just repeat this after me. Healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. So just listen to what you're saying there. You're, you're recognizing that this is already something that's paid for, and you qualify for it only because of what Jesus has done. You don't have to do anything else, guys. You don't have to do anything else to earn this, to be worthy of it. It's, he made you worthy. There's nothing you can do to screw this thing up. So here's what I want to do. I want to see if there's anyone in the audience who uh, doesn't mind being used as a volunteer. And I'm looking for somebody who uh, has, a, has a, some pain in their body, maybe a difficulty moving a body part, a knee, a shoulder, an elbow. And you're sitting here and you're hearing this message and you're going, you know what? I believe Jesus is my healer. I believe today is my day. I'm not looking for the person who's like, I've been prayed for a million times. This never works for me. Okay, you weren't listening. <laughs> Okay, we'll, we'll still pray for you. But is there someone in here? You gotta, it'd be really easy to see, like, pain with her. Okay, come on up. Now, if this had a lot to do with me, I'd be getting really nervous right now. We got cameras. We got all sorts of stuff. Came all the way from Ohio. But um, it doesn't have a lot to do with me, guys. It's, uh, the pressure is off. I can't make anything happen. So I'm going to stand here, initiate an encounter, and we'll just expect God to do some good stuff. So what's your name? Adrian. Adrian. You go to this church? Yep. Awesome. So uh, what, do you, uh, what, do you want to, what do you want to see happen when we pray? Well, I just want to be healed, so plain and simple. Uh, elbows, uh, just arthritis in my knees, elbows, back, sciatica. Which one's the worst? Uh, my knees. Okay. So on a, uh, a scale of 1 to 10, 10 is bad as you can imagine it. How bad is the pain? 8. Okay. All right, you mind if I put my hand in your knee? Okay. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Adrian, just say this. This healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. All right, check it out. Start walking around a little bit. Was that an eight? Tightness is completely gone. Okay. That's good news. Okay, what did you guys see? If you had to describe the prayer model to somebody, we'll get to your elbows and stuff here in a second. 
Lay your knee on your elbow. No, I'm just kidding. If you guys were to describe the prayer model that I just did, what, 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 did, you, what did you guys notice? What are some things you noticed? What's that? Interview. What's going on? I did not use breath spray. That is actually a preferred method. You don't want people, you want to pray for them and have them falling for the wrong reasons, just to get away from your breath. You, know, you just don't want that. Okay. So, okay, interview. What else did you guys see? Raise your hand. We'll just make it easy here. Ask them what he wanted. Okay. Anyone else? Oh, yeah. Laid hands on the place. Yep. Anyone else? Praying. Yep. How long did the prayer last? 4.8 seconds. It's exactly any longer or any less, it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> Precisely 4.8 because of Isaiah 48. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's that? Thank you to Jesus. Yeah. All right. Um, who else uh, wants to receive prayer? Anyone else? Yeah, come on up. Who's ready to try out and who wants to pray for her? Now, I'm not doing receiving prayer right now. Who wants to come and pray for this person to be healed? The line usually gets shorter on that one, yeah. You want to pray? Okay. So um, just ask her. Well, you already know her name. So why don't you just tell us, tell us your name? I'm Shauna. Shauna, and what do you want to see? Uh, what do you want to see happen when we pray? Well, I want my whole body healed. Um, I have a bad whiplash accident, like 17, 18 years old, 17, 18 years ago. But um, I fell when I was eight months pregnant on the ice, and my hip is torn right out, cartilage tear, femur bone shave. So what's the what's the worst symptom that you're experiencing right now? Um, I get um, I get a lot of burning in the front of the hip and a lot of muscle imbalance. So what, what's happening right now? Is there, is there pain right now? Like a lot of muscle imbalance in the back and tightness, and it goes down my leg. Okay, so how would you know you were healed? It wouldn't happen. Okay, so it's just tightness and burning? Yeah, burning in the front and tightness in the back. Okay. Well, um, why don't you put your hand in the pain area, and uh, why don't you just put your hands there, and uh, why don't you just say something like this, in Jesus' name be healed. Okay, why don't you check it out? Why don't you walk around here a little bit, see what's happening? Okay, loose is good. Is it 100% or is there still some? Uh, okay, come back over here. Remember when Jesus, uh, there was the guy who was um, blind, Jesus took him out of the city and he prayed for him twice? That means we get at least 37 times. <laughs> so, um, okay. Something good's happening, guys. Uh, so stuff doesn't just loosen on its own. And so, uh, so here's what we're going to do. Thankfulness brings increase. Remember when Jesus had the loaves and the fishes, and he gave thanks, and it multiplied and increased? Okay? So uh, let's just do this. Just, uh, let's just take some time. Lord, I just thank you that you're moving in her hip, that you're restoring this area in the name of Jesus. But I think that you are a 100% kind of God. <laughs> and healing was your idea. So uh, thanks, God, that the rest is coming. Sir, why don't you, um, uh, Brian, why don't you put your hand on her hand? Anytime we're near the bathing suit areas, we want to be, uh, be extra careful. So, so I'm going to have you put your hand on the friend's hand there. And uh, just uh, in Jesus' name, be healed. 
All right. Walk around here a little bit. See what's happening. Yeah, that's good. So is there uh, is the pain gone and just stiffness is left, or what's happening? What was tell us? If I could just cut this one little spot out, it'd be perfect. All right. Get some scissors out. You know what? You know, here's what we're going to do. Um, I do this every once in a while. This sounds insane. Okay? This sounds crazy. It works two out of three times. All right? Did it work on you? Was that what it was? It was on him. So you know how the, uh, um, in Ephesians 6, it describes the fiery darts of the enemy? So a lot of times when someone has a burning pain, or just like a real sharp pain in an area, it sounds crazy, if you will go and as if there's an arrow in that area and say in the name of Jesus and pull it out, a lot of times that person will go, uh, and their pain will be completely gone. <clears throat> I know it sounds crazy, but it's better than spitting in mud and putting in somebody's eyes. <laughs> oh, I got some stories tomorrow for you. We'll, we'll stretch you. Yeah, it beats the prophets walking around naked for three years and cooking food over their own dung. So just, it's in the Old Testament. It's in the Bible. So just be thankful. So, friend, why don't you go? And, um, and we've had people that are doing this like, I feel so stupid. Boom, tumors come right out of their chest. And so how does this work? I don't know. Um, the Bible uh, pictures some things as prophetic acts. A prophetic act is when you do something in the physical and it releases spiritual power. So you see um, water baptism is one of these things, that there's actually a cutting away of the sin nature and a reality of being buried with Christ and raised to a newness of life in this. They walk around walls and they fall down. Walking around walls does not make walls fall down. But when it's done in obedience to God, that physical releases spiritual power, okay? And so, um, so one of the things we're going to be training you in is how to listen to the Lord, and he may prompt you to do something that's a little weird. Jesus did 26 healing miracles um, of individuals, and then, you know, about 20 more stories of doing giant crowds. He never did, put it this way, he did it different all 26 times. So right now, it's not trying to figure out whether or not he wants to heal. We know he wants to heal. How does he want to do it? So I'm going to teach you a model tomorrow, and I'm going to tell you don't use a model, because Jesus didn't use a model. <laughs> but we're going to give you some things to consider. Okay? And so, um, friend, hey, well, let's just try it. So just uh, grab, yeah, grab that arrow there. Yeah, yank it out in the name of Jesus. Walk around. See what's happening. You got to be honest. Don't tell us if it's, something's happening if it's not happening. Okay? Here's a, here's a principle. Heat is good. <laughs> Heat is good. And so let me just bless you here. Lord, I just thank you that you were uh, doing something. See, a lot of times that heat is just a sign of the healing anointing. And Lord, right now, every effective whiplash, I break off of her in Jesus' name. Lord, anything negative that was trying to attack her body because of this trauma, I break it off in Jesus' name. Can I just give you a side hug like a dad? Oh, just keep doing All right. <laughs> No, there's, there's actually healing in this hug, so I'm not, I'm not just being nice. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just bless your girl. Thank you. Thanks. All right, now start checking out your neck and stuff. What else was going on? You said the whole thing. Is it better? Another little arrow, huh? 
Yeah. Yeah. Keep sticking around. Stuff peels off. It comes off later at a time. Sometimes it comes off in one whack. And so if Jesus were here, he'd go, boom. And so we're, uh, we're working up to that. So, all right, things are happening. Okay, that's good. All right, so here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I want you guys to practice. Oh, no. We just wanted to have you pray for us till 2 a.m. No, I don't want to do that. I've been up since 4 a.m. I'm My time. That's one your time. I'm not staying up till that long. Okay. So um, I'll pray for anybody uh, this weekend as long as they've been prayed for by somebody else. I'm not here to be God's man of faith and power for the hour and impress you and get a big offering. I don't give a rip about that. Okay? I mean, it's, it's not even biblical for me to come here and do that. The, the fivefold ministry is to equip you to do the works. So um, I'm here to teach you how to fish. Everyone in here wants to know how to do this stuff. They don't want to just watch someone else do it. And so um, it, it never occurred to me growing up that I could be that guy because it was always presented as you have got to hit this level of holiness. And I knew that wasn't happening anytime soon. <laughs> you need to get rid of all sin in your life. I'm like, oh, boy, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. And it was all about all the things I had to do. And then when the revelation came, Jesus already did all this. I can begin to walk in that. And I'm finding that as I'm partnering with that, all those other issues are just falling off because I'm just falling more and, love, more and more in love with him. I'm just like, man, you're just so good. I mean, guys, when you get to see grapefruit-sized tumors dissolve in front of your eyes, it's just like, God. I mean, sometimes Mary and I, we just go home at night. It's like, can you believe what happened? And what's fun is our church, more than half the miracles now are now taking place outside the walls of the church. And so um, I believe God wants to raise up this house to be a terrorist training camp to destroy the works of the devil. Where everywhere you go, more healings are going to happen by accident than they ever did on purpose with striving. There's an ease to it. So we got some words for you guys released on Sundays. Here I want you to stand up. Typically, 90% of any room that you're in will need healing. And so there's no shame in it. It happens in my church and all over the place. And so um, hopefully our percentages are lower. People have been going there for a little while. But the, um, and so there'll be plenty of people to practice on. So there's no shame in that. And so if, uh, if Jesus were here and he's like, hey, I'm ready to heal, um, how many of you would say, yeah, I've got something, Jesus? Okay. Find someone who has their hand up and put your hand on their shoulder. Then you can put the hand down. Okay, so keep your hand up until someone has it up there. Okay, go and find these people. You can have a, just have one person at a time talking to them because when you got like three people interviewing, it, it gets a little confusing. Okay, keep your hand up until someone um, puts their hand on your shoulder. Okay, we got, uh, we got a couple of ladies in the, uh, in the second to last row there. So, and a gentleman in the gray. So get out of your seats, guys, and uh, some of you, you may need to pray for each other, okay? You two, you're a pair. That's a power team right there. I just blessed you girls putting you together. All right. Anyone not have somebody with a hand on their shoulder? Uh, if you could just wave me. Okay, over here. And over here. Um, just partner up with someone who's close to you then. So you, you, uh, you can receive prayer and give prayer. So we just want everyone to have a chance to practice. Just so you guys know, kids get this way easier than us. So if you've got kids here, put them to practice. They have not learned all the fear, doubt, and unbelief, and I'm trying to get rid of. Okay? And so, I mean, our, 
yeah, all of our boys walk in healing, prophecy. All the kids in the church are going crazy, healing kids at soccer games and getting words of knowledge for cancer people at grocery stores. They're getting healed on their way out to the car, literally. We get, I mean, it's just crazy, okay? So, uh, yeah, get your kids into this. They've they, they seen them. Okay, here's what you can do. Hey, what can we pray about? Just don't assume because they're in a wheelchair that they, that's what they want prayer for. Jesus asked the blind man, and I'm being serious. Jesus asked the blind man, what do you want? And so we respect the dignity of the person for them to, to let us know. So, hey, what do you want to see happen when we pray? Um, sometimes uh, it's helpful to get a scale of the pain. This is one thing Jesus did not do, but we found it helpful. Um, if, if it, you know, if it's diabetes, that's, the scale's not going to be helpful. But if it's pain, here's the reason why. Because if the pain goes from a 10 to a 6, that's really good information. Their faith's getting built up. My faith's getting built up. But if I didn't get that, they'd say, it still hurts. That doesn't give me that good of information. So what can we pray about? Where's the pain? Command it to leave in the name of Jesus. They have to check it out. Jesus, remember, stretch out your hand. He made them. Faith needs an activity. Okay, so you got it? What can we pray about? Get the scale if you want. Pray. Check it out. Thank God. Pray again. Go for it. Anything more than two or three sentences is unbelief. You're just trying to convince yourself. No more than two or three sentences. All right, check it out, guys. How many are feeling some level of breakthrough? Just wave your hand. Wave your hand. All right, there, there, in the back, over there. Anyone else? Awesome, right there. Good. Guys, stuff's happening. This is good news.
How are we doing, guys? How many people are seeing some level of breakthrough and uh, getting, all right? Well, this is the hot section right here. I tell you what, my goodness. Anyone else, just kind of wave at me. Just, uh, there it is, good, awesome, awesome. Hey guys, this is good news. Things are happening. All right, awesome, where's Pastor David? How do you want to do this thing? Teaching. I mean, I'll, I'll pray for. I, I mean, I'll probably pray for like terminal illnesses. I mean, let me just start naming some major diseases. Yeah. If there's anyone in here who has a, um, a terminal illness, an incurable disease, or cancer, um, I'd like to just lay hands on you tonight. And um, and so you guys uh, switch partners. Keep coming the rest of the weekend. There's gonna be plenty of opportunities to get prayer and. Um, if you haven't got healed by the weekend, I'll make sure I lay hands on you on Sunday. But anyone specifically, anything incurable, any, um, anything uh, terminal, terminal illness, uh, cancer. Um, so, yeah, well, let's just go after, go after some of those things. So, you guys are free. To- uh, we're going to continue praying, um, Pastor Jim said. But if, uh, if you are done for the evening, you, you may be dismissed. We are here tomorrow at 9 a.m. Everyone is welcome. Amen. And if you'd like to come and learn some more, just stay and get some more out of it.